1: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: Quarantining is hard, but we we are learning things. Here's a list of observations and things that we have learned uh, during the past few weeks.
1: I had a very small bowl of trail mix and then looked at the back and realized that I just ate 16 weeks worth of calories.
2: (laughs) I overheard Kat in the kitchen saying to no one in particular, Oat bread is the best. I will fight you.
1: I got my first Lego set, and I'm obsessed with it.
2: The UPS guy knocked at the door, and I immediately leapt to my feet and assumed a defensive posture.
1: We're rewatching The Mentalist, <laughs> and furiously congratulate ourselves when we get the who done it right.
2: Even though we've watched the entire series already, it's high fives all the way. And I've readjusted how I look at clothes. Now I just have daytime PJs and nighttime PJs. Yeah. There was a brief period of time, though, where I would wear my daytime PJs until about four o'clock, like roughly happy hour. Mm -hmm. And then I'd put my pants on for three hours. That's right. And then I'd put my nighttime jammies on. Well, you just
1: want to feel like you've accomplished something. And I (laughs) applaud you for that. Also, we've been taking extraordinarily long showers lately. What's happening?
2: I don't know. I think our DNA is being fundamentally altered (laughs) (laughs) During this process, who knows what we're going to become? You know, in the last episode, you mentioned Ted Bundy. We talked a little bit about Ted Bundy. And interestingly, and this happens to me all the time, whenever something comes up in conversation, oftentimes an article pertaining to that will show up. And that's what happened. We were talking about Ted Bundy, and I immediately found this article ...about him that I thought would be really interesting.
1: And yet we've still not seen any ads for trombones.
2: We should explain that.
1: Oh. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, We're currently running an experiment.
2: We want to find out how close Alexa is listening to us and if it affects the ads that we see in our feeds... So, we just occasionally will say around Alexa, gee, I wish I had a trombone.
1: I wish I knew where to buy one.
2: Trombones are great. Is
1: there any good sales on trombones?
2: (laughs) So far, nothing. We have way too much time. (laughs) Also, I knocked down a tree. That's pretty much our week (laughs) right there. Yeah. But something strange is going on at Florida State Prison. Oh, really? At least that's what some of the guards and other employees say. And it's been going on since the day Ted Bundy was put to death.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Ted Bundy was executed at 7 a.m. on January 24th, 1989. And what happened in the few hours leading up to his date with the electric chair and what happened after is really quite interesting. What's behind the reports coming out of Florida State Prison that claim the guards and other staff members refused to enter the execution chamber alone, even to this day.
1: Oh, really?
2: Theodore Ted Bundy, the world has never really seen a monster quite like this guy. Uh, he was handsome, he was charismatic, well educated. Bundy did not fit the profile of the sadistic, rapist, necrophile, and serial killer that he was. He fooled a lot of people. Indeed. Mostly because of his good looks, his charms, and his confidence.
1: Which should tell us more about us than it does about him. I'm just saying.
2: His demeanor would allow him to stalk his victims in public places in broad daylight. There was actually a comment on the uh, Freaks Facebook group. Um, they were talking about brushes with uh, serial killers. And somebody said that their father uh, operated a bar in Florida and Ted Bundy used to come in. Oh. And hang out and, and he would talk with Ted. And he thought Ted was a great guy. Oh, that's freaky. Until, of course, he was arrested and he couldn't believe that Ted Bundy would do these things he was accused of. So he went to one of the trials. He went to the courtroom and he said he could not believe the difference in the Ted Bundy that was in the courtroom and the Ted Bundy that was that we're knocking back scotches with.
1: Yeah, he was uh, someone who wore masks for sure.
2: In January... 1980, Bundy stood trial in Orlando, where he was convicted and sentenced to death for the kidnapping and murder of Kimberly Leach. Ted's charisma was on full display in the courtroom. In fact, in the final statement, this blew my mind. The judge, Judge Cowart, his final statement appeared to be almost complimentary (laughs) of Ted Bundy. He told Bundy, quote, take care of yourself, young man. I say that to you sincerely. Take care of yourself, please. It is an utter tragedy for this court to see such a total waste of humanity as I've experienced in this courtroom. You're a bright young man. You would have made a good lawyer, and I would have loved to have you practice in front of me. But you went another way, partner. Take care of yourself.
1: Ah, that's gross.
2: He went on to say, I don't feel any animosity toward you. What? I want you to know that. Once again, take care of yourself. Bundy was a master manipulator Ugh, girl. during the trial. Ted had a girlfriend. Her name was Carol Ann Boone. That's right. And he wanted to marry her. An old Florida law stated that a uh, declaration of marriage in court in front of a judge is considered a binding agreement. And since the pair could not find a minister to oversee their vows and officials at the Orange County Jail prohibited that they use the facility's chapel, Bundy, of course, being a law student, found this loophole. Right. And what he did is he called her as a witness, and then he proposed to her on the stand. Gross. And the state had to recognize their marriage. Even though he was incarcerated, that led to the birth of a daughter. I didn't know this. Did you know this?
1: I didn't know about the fact that they got married via witness stand. This is all very new to me.
2: The birth of his daughter, Rose, took place on October twenty fourth, 1982. How? And that, Yeah, that's an entire story into itself. The fact that the serial killer Ted Bundy managed to get married and impregnate someone while incarcerated for killing several people, including a 12 year old child, was an astonishing bit of news. It didn't take long for the media to um, hound Boone for details surrounding Bundy's daughter. She wouldn't tell him anything. She basically said, this is none of your business. Right. Bundy was not permitted conjugal visits while on death row. So rumors began to circulate about the logistics of Rose's conception. Some speculate that Boone had smuggled a condom into prison. Bundy had deposited his genetic material into it, tied it shut, returned it to her through a kiss.
1: That's a lot of work. Couldn't she have just banged some other dude?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Once that final appeal had been exhausted, his demeanor changed from cocky self-assuredness to nerve-wracked and fearful. The night before his execution was to be carried out, Bundy conducted a last interview with Christian broadcaster James Dobson. And um, Dobson said that Bundy wept several times while talking to him. He, He expressed great regret remorse for what he had done for to the families. And he was sorry that the families were hurting. Bundy was asked what he wanted for his last meal. He said he didn't want anything. So they brought him like a standard last meal, which is steak and eggs and hash browns. Mm -hmm. But it sat there untouched. He didn't eat it. Bundy spent the evening praying for several hours. He even pleaded with God. Uh, He then placed two calls to his mother in Tacoma, Washington to say farewell. An L.A. Times article says, Gone was the storied cockiness. He was ashen as two guards led him to the death chamber to be executed for the 1978 rape and murder of a 12-year-old girl. They strapped his chest and arms and legs to the shiny wooden chair. Bundy's eyes searched for familiar faces behind the glass. He nodded to some of the 42 witnesses, including the men who had prosecuted him. His lips moved in a faint mumble. The shaved skull glistened where they had applied an ointment that would enhance the work of the electrodes. They asked him what his last words were, and his voice quavered. Jim and Fred, I'd like you to give my love to my family and friends. Jim Coleman, which was one of his attorneys, nodded. They gave the order. The execution was carried out at 7.16 a.m. Ted Bundy, one of the most active killers of all time, was pronounced dead. In an article from Psychology Today, in 2001, a guard from the Florida State Prison where Bundy spent his final days told a reporter that shortly after Bundy was put to death, several guards saw him sitting casually on the electric chair. Here we go. The guard described Bundy's expression as, quote, a knowing smile, as if he knew something important about the afterlife that they did not. If a guard tried to approach him, he would disappear. And this happened over. And over and over. The man telling the story said that there were so many sightings at one point, the warden couldn't find anyone willing to enter the execution chamber alone.
1: Interesting.
2: And that's still the case. They don't want to go in there by themselves. Bundy also has showed up, allegedly, around his holding cell on death row. To some guards, he'd say, Well, I beat all of you, didn't I? And it presumably meant that he'd beaten them to the other side or whatever. In May of 2013, a report was published about uh, Bundy's ghost showing up again. This time, the tale came from an inmate, and it was repeated in quite a few publications. Quote, it would appear that the ghost of Ted Bundy is once again showing up in the Florida State Prison in Rayford, Florida. That's according to a current inmate at the facility. Again, according to Psychology Today, this is what he said. Quote, for many years, I heard the rumors of Ted Bundy's ghost appearing, and I did not believe it. Now my mind has been changed. I and other residents, including staff, have witnessed the ghost on many occasions. It is definitely Ted Bundy. It comes in the early morning, before dawn, in our housing unit, and in different cells. He's always smiling. It's kind of a white-blue mist, but very detailed. Some of the other residents claim to hear him talking. I have not heard that yet.
1: Interesting. So, what do you think? Like, who's, who's behind this? cuz i mean
2: go start real right Is it's pre-
1: no i mean it's <clears throat> like all right so inmates they they're known to not be entirely truthful that's fine i can get past that but like the guards saying that they've seen something and the guards refusing to do their jobs because of what they say they've seen mm. that's interesting so i'm thinking like a series of well placed mirrors
0: <laughs>
2: i see <laughs> all right Okay. (laughs) What is the motive?
1: Publicity. Do they have a gift shop or something?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I guess the sightings have become so frequent that allegedly the warden has restricted any of the guards or employees at the prison from speaking about this publicly.
1: Oh, okay. I'm calm.
2: For a while, the the guards and uh, employees were talking about it quite frequently. Now it seems as though it's just the inmates are are talking about it. Got it. it. But uh, according to them, still no one will go in alone into the execution chamber.
1: Interesting.
2: That would blow my friggin' mind. I mean, first of all, just being in the same room as Ted Bundy. You remember we saw Ted Bundy's car Mm -hmm. at the East Alcatraz Museum in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Just knowing that he sat behind that fucking wheel gave me the chills. <laughs> to walk into the room where he drew his last breath, there's got to be a lot of bad energy in there.
1: Yeah, just sage it. <laughs> You're fine.
2: During a Ouija board session, Bundy oh. a- allegedly spelled out these disturbing messages. Okay. I cannot touch them. So many to kill. I cannot touch them. It is my hell. That
1: doesn't sound very Ted Bundy ish. So many to kill. Like, I mean, he never admitted to. No, he did. I mean, right it,
2: before he was killed. But he, but.
1: I don't know. It just wasn't his vibe.
2: Well, I mean, being fried can change one's perspective. I guess. I think. It's true. Anyway. So, that's what's happening at the Florida State Prison, allegedly. Ted Bundy's just uh, skipping about. (laughs) Or at least his ghost is. Halfway through when you're
0: still awake, it must be time for that thing in the middle.
2: Again, from the Freaks Facebook group, Jesse posed this question. I was talking to a friend recently, and I thought this might make a good topic here. Does anyone have any bad roommate stories? Uh, Number five, Sam writes... This guy got so drunk that he pissed on my couch. I kicked him out. I loved that couch. Also, his girlfriend took it upon herself to paint my fucking kitchen purple.
1: What? (laughs) Honestly, some people are so amazingly oblivious to common courtesy. It is... Shocking. Number four, Tammy writes, My roommate in university was an entomology student. I would go to the freezer to get a nice frozen treat and bugs. (laughs) There were bags of frozen bugs in my freezer. Plus, she had a stick bug, which was kind of cool to look at in its cage, but she liked to let it out to walk all over her. Hard pass on that nightmare fuel.
2: Number three, Kristen writes, My roommate became upset when I made a grilled cheese one day. In the cover of night, she hid all my pots and pans in the house so we could no longer cook. Her logic was... Pans are not the correct utensil for cooking grilled cheese. She then stole a Christmas tree from a Boy Scout lot.
1: (laughs) Number two, Erica writes, I had a college roommate who would drink herself stupid and then she'd come home like a zombie, get naked and pee wherever she wanted. (laughs) We were having a party and she came into the kitchen, opened the dishwasher and peed in there. Oh my God. There were about 20 people there and she had no clue any of us were there.
2: And number one, Kate writes, I had a roommate in college who refused to wear underwear. Now, I have no problem with the commando lifestyle, but I did have a problem with her stealing my clothes and trying to sneak them back into my closet unwashed.
1: Oh,
0: no. Oh, no. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Please don't listen to...
2: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids...
0: This podcast while operating heavy machinery, because, you know, you couldn't hear the stories. This is the box of oddities.
1: Again, we're going to the freaks group on Facebook. And this is just a like proud moment, I guess, <laughs> uh, where I just had. Uh, OK, so
2: attention, please. Mama cat is about <laughs> to speak.
1: <laughs> Hi, kids. It's your aunt cat. <laughs> Someone had posted, I saw a post that didn't speak highly of the Bible and Christianity. And I get it. Christianity is not for everyone. And there are some things that aren't appealing to everyone, even me. Are there any other Christian freaks out there? Please tell me I'm not the only one. And the, the freaks group has pretty strict, no religion, no politics, right. no right. you know, rule, because they can be so divisive. And so I kept a close eye on this post and was thrilled to see how loving and kind and supportive and sweetnessful it was. At first, there was a couple of like, yep, fellow Christian here. Uh, Yep, I am too. You're not alone. And then it started getting into, no, I'm an atheist, uh, but, you know, as long as you, you know, are kind to me, I'll be kind to you. Uh, I am this. I am a Muslim. I am, you know, and everyone who spoke up was kind and sweet and thoughtful and supportive and loving. And the whole day I was just like ready to delete the thread (laughs) because I was like, no, there's not going to be any of this Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Oh, everyone's just being really great.
2: And there were like a couple hundred comments, something like that.
1: It became a days-long thread Mm. that people just kept adding to and sharing their their thoughts about like why they used to be religious and now they're not. People who currently are religious chiming in and say, I totally get that.
2: There was was not this me versus you that, that... Oftentimes, at least publicly, we're told that's the way it is. Mm. Like, oh, all Muslims are bad, or all Christians are bad. People who are into Wicca, that's bad. You know, we've said from the beginning, mm. if you are kind, you are welcome here. Yeah, and it's so wonderful to see that. And we can't tell you how much we um, we just love you guys.
1: Aunt Cat's real
2: proud. So, with that being said, I'm going to reach over uh, with my award-winning finger and push this button. What you got for me? What? What you? What? What you? What you got for me? What? 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 What, what you got for me? What is your finger won awards for? I can't. I can't say.
1: Okay. <clears throat> All right. So you and I sat down the other day mm-hmm. and we watched a wonderful documentary about Betty White.
2: Yes, that was charming.
1: And it pretty much changed my life. And so I wanted to take a moment and explore the amazing life of Miss Betty White. Okay. Betty Marion White Ludden was born in 1922 in January. And she is an actress and a comedian. She has the longest television career of any entertainer spanning more than 80 years.
2: Can I just say that after we watched that documentary, Kat wrote her a letter. I did. And mailed it. Yep.
1: Anyway, uh, she was born in Illinois and uh, has stated that Betty is her legal name. Uh, she is not a shortened version of Elizabeth. Apparently, her parents didn't like uh, that she might be called Beth or uh, Lizzie or anything like that. They liked Betty. They wanted it to be Betty. That was it. Her parents uh, moved them to California in 1923 when she was a little over a year old. And there, during the Great Depression, they moved to L.A., where she attended Horace Mann School in Beverly Hills and Beverly Hills High School, graduating in 1939. She initially aspired to a career as a forest ranger. What? But she wasn't able to be a forest ranger because at that time, women were not allowed to serve as forest rangers.
2: I wonder why that is.
1: She loves animals. She loves animals, and she loves the outdoors. And her family used to go camping in the High Sierras, and they would just, like, pack up their camping stuff. They would go, and they would tent for, like, a long weekend, in the mountains and and like look at elk and stuff
2: in fact uh in that documentary that we watched there was a a a scene of her sitting next to a bear feeding it marshmallows
1: yeah but that's not when she was camping in the high sierras this was a bear that was like
2: yeah yeah a friendly bear it
1: was a tame bear Mm -hmm. but yeah Yeah. different different situation for sure (laughs) so in an interview with Guinness Book of World Records, uh, she stated that she cannot remember the name of the show, uh, which was her screen debut. It was an experimental TV show, and she and a high school friend danced on the show. It was like 1939. Oh, my God. And uh, that that was all she can remember, is that it was she wore her high school graduation dress, and they danced, and there was some singing. And that's all she can
2: remember about it. And this it. was for a TV? Mm-hmm show because that was the year that 1939 was the year that they debuted television at the uh, New York World's Fair.
1: It was an experimental Holy TV show. Holy shit. Indeed. <clears throat> So she found work modeling and her first professional acting job was at the Bliss Hayden Little Theater. But World War II broke out, so she put her career on hold and volunteered for the American Women's Voluntary Service. So her days were devoted to delivering supplies uh, throughout Hollywood Hills. And then nights she would um, partake in these like encouragement parties for those who were then being sent off to war.
2: So like a pep rally. Or a, a, yeah. m- a morale boosting. Yeah, she was part yeah.
1: of like entertaining and feeding and just taking care of the soldiers who are getting ready to go. Wow. Uh, she said it was a strange time and out of balance with everything else. So. The war is over, and she made her rounds to movie studios looking for work, and she did get a couple of bit parts, but was mostly turned down because, as one of the studios said, she was unphotogenic, which is... What? Stupid. What? It's unreal, because is gorgeous. And... So she started taking on radio jobs where being photogenic didn't matter. Right. And her first radio job included just reading commercials and playing bit parts, sometimes doing, like, crowd noises. She was featured on Blondie, The Great Gildersleeve, and This Is Your FBI. She made about $5 a show. Hmm. In 1945, she married U.S. Army pilot Dick Barker, and after four months of being married and living on Barker's rural Ohio chicken farm, she (laughs) fled back to L.A. (laughs) and her career as an entertainer, and they divorced that same year.
2: Do they have talons?
1: She then got her own radio show called The Betty White Show. She also got hitched to a Hollywood agent named Lane Allen in 1947. Um, In 1949, she began appearing as a co-host with Al Jarvis on his daily live television variety show called Hollywood on Television. And then after he pushed her to quit show business, she divorced Lane Allen.
2: (laughs) She had a a vision.
1: Listen, she wasn't going to let a man tell her what to do. So Jarvis left the show in 1951 and film star Eddie Albert took his place and co-hosted with Betty for 6 months.
2: The guy from Green Acres. The I old don't know. Television show Green Acres. <laughs> he was also a war hero. Oh really? Yeah, I think it was him that that uh, he actually jumped out of his boat and swam ashore and to save somebody and I, I'm, I'm not sure all the details but I do know he was a war hero oh
1: wow well after six months of doing this show it got to be too much for him and he resigned
2: well. so Betty did it by
1: herself <laughs>
2: <laughs> he can jump in the water <laughs> and swim ashore to save a fellow soldier but working with Betty White was too much.
1: No, it wasn't the the working with Betty White. Obviously she's a treasure and that was no problem, but it was 33 and a half hours of live ad-lib television a week.
2: That's a lot.
1: It's a lot. She started hosting the show alone, and she is believed to have been the first female television talk show host as a result. In 1951, she was nominated for her first Emmy Award as Best Actress on television, and the show began accepting guests to interact with her, as well as gradually incorporating sketches. Recurring sketches involving White as a housewife named Elizabeth caught on with the viewers, and in 1952, uh, the same year that she began hosting Hollywood on television, she co-founded Bandy Productions with a couple of other writers And uh, they decided that they would create a television comedy based on those Elizabeth sketches called Life with Elizabeth, with Betty White portraying the title role. The show was originally a live production, and in 1951, it won Betty a regional Los Angeles Emmy and then was nationally syndicated from 1952 to 1955, and that allowed White to become one of the few women in television with full creative control in front of and behind the camera.
2: That was even before Lucy, right? That's nuts. That's crazy.
1: In 1954, she hosted and produced her own daily talk and variety show called The Betty White Show on NBC. That's actually her second show to feature that title. Uh, she again had creative control over the series. She was able to hire her own director, who was a female. Betty White was criticized after on that show she had Arthur Duncan, who is a tap dancer. Uh, on on the show he was african-american and local southern stations threatened to boycott unless duncan was removed from the series hmm. so betty white said i'm sorry live with it that is a quote and, and in, that was
2: and that was 1955 ish ish that's that is amazing
1: she then proceeded to give duncan more airtime.
2: <laughs> that's wonderful
1: i love this woman Uh, The show was eventually canceled, and she got a couple of TV gigs. Uh, She appeared as a guest on a game show called Password in 1961. The host of that show was Alan Ludden, and they were smitten kittens. In fact, uh, after she appeared on the show a couple of times, he straight up proposed to her and she said no. Um, First of all, she'd already been married twice Mm -hmm. and um, she thought that she'd have to move to New York because that's where the show was filmed. And so she said no. And he proposed again and she said no. And so Alan Ludden... uh, kept the engagement ring that he had offered her and wore it around his neck on a necklace and said, it will be right here when you're ready to accept it.
2: That is like the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I can't. Wow. It's the sweetest
1: thing I've ever heard. So anyway, uh, she finally agreed to marry him and tie the knot in 1963. Um, she was on like every game show after that. And of course, she was amazing. And in the 1970s, she was both producing and hosting the syndicated series, The Pet Set. And this show... spotlighted celebrities and their pets. It was mostly a show that she could do that was about pets that was somehow interesting to other people, too, because it involved celebrities. Mm -hmm. In 1973, she made several appearances in the fourth season of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and the role garnered her her second and third Emmy Award. Following the end of that show, she got her own sitcom on CBS called The Betty White Show. Uh, She appeared several times on The Carol Burnett Show, The Tonight Show, appeared sharing in many sketches, and uh, television miniseries as well. That was a big thing at that time, and she was doing a lot of them.
2: Yeah, in the 70s and 80s, that was like uh, America would shut down to watch Roots or, or <laughs> yeah. The Thorn Birds or whatever the uh, miniseries that winter was. <laughs>
1: So, Betty and Alan were married for 18 years, and Ludden passed away from stomach cancer in 1981. The one regret that she does have was rejecting Ludden's marriage proposals initially. She, in an interview with Oprah Winfrey, said, I wasted a whole year that we could have been together. Uh-huh. In 1983, White became the first woman to win a Daytime Emmy Award in the category of Outstanding Game Show Host for the NBC entry Just Men, which (laughs) I've never heard
2: of. Never heard of it.
1: Uh, White had a couple of recurring roles. Uh, During this time, Mama's family, she hosted a shit ton of parades. And in 1985, she scored her second signature role. Um, Of course, we all know her as Rose Nyland from The Golden Girls. Interestingly, originally, producers wanted her for the role of Blanche. And they were going to cast Rue McClanahan as Rose. Hmm. Uh, but the director was concerned about typecasting because Blanche was sassy-frassy and it was very similar to her role on Mary Tyler Moore's show. Sue Ann Nivens, yeah. And um, Rue McClanahan had been uh, cast as kind of a country bumpkin on another show uh, before that. So they they just said, hey, well, while you're auditioning, while you're auditioning, just switch it up. Do the other roles. And uh, boom, it just worked. So Golden Girls history was made. The show ran until 1992 when Bea Arthur announced that she was going to be leaving. And there was a short-lived spin-off. spinoff. Uh, Rose, the character, made an appearance on a few other shows, like Empty Nest, <laughs> uh, which I, I remember very vaguely there being a very angry man with gray hair on that show. But that's mm. all I remember about it. That was it, it huh? <laughs> she was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1995. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame right alongside her husband's star, which... Alan Ludden, I will say. If I ever refer to her husband, I mean Alan Ludden because the first two were just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She won an Emmy in 1996 for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series on the John Larroquette Show. She was on the show a time and won an (laughs) Emmy. Uh, She was on The Bold and Beautiful, The Practice, Boston Legal. She appeared in movies like Placid, Bringing Down the House. She did a bunch of cartoon voice work. And in 2010, there was a Facebook group called Betty White to Host SNL, Please. And the group was approaching about 500,000 members (laughs) when NBC confirmed that Betty White would, in fact, host on May 8th and that made her at the age of 88 the oldest person to host the show
2: live show yeah. too yeah in in you're 88 and you have to remember all of the marks that you have to hit you have to remember your lines it's a pretty fast paced week yeah of it's a it's a um, a comedian's workout
1: from the documentary that we saw uh, she told someone never again <laughs> <laughs> fair enough that appearance earned her a 2010 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series. That was her seventh Emmy overall. Good God. In June of 2010, she took on the role of Elka, uh, the house caretaker, on the show Hot in Cleveland. She was actually only supposed to appear in the pilot, but they immediately asked her to stay on for the entire series. In From 2012 to 2014, she hosted and executive produced Betty White's Off Their Rockers, which was a show where senior citizens play practical jokes on the younger generation. Uh, She received three Emmy nominations for that. And throughout all of this, of course, she's been an unyielding advocate for animals. Uh, She works with animal organizations, including the Los Angeles Zoo, Commission, the Morris Animal Foundation, African Wildlife Foundation, Actors and Others for Animals. She was actually offered a role in the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Wow. Nicholas is the golfer. Okay. (laughs) And when she read the part where Jack Nicholson tosses a dog down an apartment garbage chute, Mm -hmm. uh, she was like, oh, hell no. And she went to the director and she tried to get him to take that part out. Um, she was so afraid that someone would see that and have you know a yappy dog of their own down the hallway right. and recreate it. So they were like, yeah, no, we're not going to take that out. And so she declined the offer for that role. The 2014 edition of Guinness World Records book lists the comedian and actress as the record holder for longest TV career for an entertainer. Female and uh, Lifetime Network has actually announced uh, their upcoming year of inevitable holiday films, and Betty White is listed as a character on a show that's coming up called I didn't write it down apparently, uh, where but she plays a character who helps whip would-be Santas into shape, <laughs> spreading the true meaning of Christmas, and I'm so excited. Uh, she is not even close to done. In an interview she was asked what have you not done in the business that you've always wanted to do and her answer was Robert Redford.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this woman cannot be stopped. Mm-mm. And about 10 years ago, she was able to fulfill one of her first great goals. After all these years, the 88-year-old received the honorary designation of Forest Ranger at a special ceremony held by the U.S. Forest Service at Washington's Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts to honor her and her dedication to wildlife.
2: So in show business for over 70 years, multiple Emmy nominations, multiple Emmy wins, honorary forest ranger but i think of all those accomplishments that she's achieved the thing that i'm most jealous of is uh, she fed marshmallows to a bear (laughs) come on
1: she's a beautiful singer she is incredibly dedicated to her fans she is someone who will try just about anything and i think she's a treasure
2: If she writes you back, you are going to shit your pants. I
1: mean, just talking about her right now, I'm on the verge of tears. I just love her.
2: Well, tears, that's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't plan on shitting. We shall see.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she's a treasure. She really is. She's
1: 98 years
2: old. Her first television appearance was when they invented television. Yeah. That's incredible.
1: She's amazing. And that is my long rambling love letter to betty white
2: i think it was just beautiful thank you and we think you guys are beautiful we appreciate you hanging out with us and, and uh and as i've said uh in the past quantum physics suggests that once you stop listening to this episode it ceases to exist. So if you would uh, mark that you were here by leaving us a positive review wherever you uh, you listen, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, we would greatly appreciate it. And that way, when we see it, we know we're real.
1: Also, keep in mind that you can support the podcast and get some fun bonuses uh, by becoming a member of the Order of the Freaks.
2: You can find all that information by going to our website, theboxofoddities.com. Look forward to seeing you next time, freaks.
1: Until then, keep flying that freak, freak.
2: And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. Wait,
1: you just said that.
2: I said freak twice, didn't I? Didn't sound right, did it? Ah, fuck it. (laughs) And so, let it be known that the
0: box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.
1: Oh,